Welcome to episode two of Capture Q. Today's guest is Dr. Fidel Villa Rodriguez, a clinical scientist at UBC's Ninet Lab, which conducts research on repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation, or RTMS for short. RTMS is a treatment for depression and other disorders such as Parkinson's disease and OCD. Just a note, this conversation was recorded before COVID-19 set social distancing measures in place, so the lab has since had a few setbacks. We don't discuss them here today. However, the advocacy Villa Rodriguez and his team are doing continues. And as you'll hear, the benefits of RTMS still bring hope to the individuals who face these challenges. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for uh, having me. So we're here at UBC's Department of Psychiatry, where you're conducting clinical research on RTMS. Do you want to start with the formal name of this lab? So the the formal the formal name of of the laboratory and the clinic is the non invasive neurostimulation therapies lab, and the short the abbreviation of that is NINET. And what is your title here? And my title here is I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry in the Faculty of Medicine at the University of British Columbia. And I'm also, uh, I wear two hats, one as a clinician, I'm a psychiatrist, and I'm also a, a faculty and a and researcher. So, yeah. Awesome, yeah. And so I guess we could jump right into it. We were in touch initially because in Canada, we don't cover these interventions for disorders, psychiatric disorders that are effective, they're research-driven, and they're mm -hmm. proven to work. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your efforts to try and get that covered under our, our healthcare or even address the topic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the specific and the particular intervention that we are talking about is called RTMS, and that stands for Repetitive Transcranial Magnetic Stimulation. And this is a non-invasive uh, neurostimulation treatment that leverages a, a physics principle that is called electromagnetic induction to stimulate specific areas in the brain to treat uh, neurological and psychiatric disorders, and, and here specifically uh, treatment-resistant depression. Electromagnetic induction sounds still to me like uh, like black magic, but uh, I think most people might have seen um, applications of electromagnetic induction that are um, ordinary. An example of that are um, smartphones that you can recharge without the need of any cables. So if you've seen those devices, what um, the two pieces that they have is like a pad where you then put your smartphone on top of it without any cables, and it recharges um, without any need of uh, any cables. They work with that principle of electromagnetic induction. And um, I actually have a little device that I can show you if you're interested right right now uh, oh, how that works. Sure, if you wanted to pick that up. Yeah, it's right here. This is a, um, a miniature prototype of, uh, of a TMS device that a student in the lab has uh, created. And what you can hold it, there you are. Oh, neat. And so I'll take a photo of this and put it up on the website for, for uh -huh. viewers to and see. I'll give you the second part. And 
we'll, I'll try to describe what we both are seeing here right now. We, we have an electronic circuit here in green. Uh, next to it, we have a source of energy that consists of three AA batteries. And coming out of the circuit, we have a loop of wires forming uh, a circle, right? And what you're holding in your hands right now is another loop of wires and Looks that similar. are attached to an LED that is white. Oh, neat. So on the board, there's a switch. And when I press the switch, you can see a red LED lighting up that indicates that there's current flowing. And you cannot see it, but when the current flows through these wires is generating a three-dimensional magnetic field. Oh, wow. If you were to picture a donut, yes. <laughs> that's, the, that's exactly the shape of that magnetic field. So now I'm going to keep pressing here, and we don't see the magnetic field, but it's there. And what you're going to do is going to approach your coil, which is another circle of cables looped of the same, same dimensions, size, yeah. same size. And you're going to approximate it to this one and see what happens as you get closer. So you're getting closer, closer, a few centimeters, and look at that. Oh, and the light goes on on the other one. Exactly. And cool. that's because that magnetic field is reaching this conductor and is inducing current that allows the LED to light up. If you move it upwards, there's a point where it stops. Yeah. And that's because the magnetic field does not reach there. If oh, you move wow. it closer and closer, you'll see that the intensity is going to go up. Mm -hmm. So to clarify, these two, they look very handmade. They're not attached. And yeah, they're just, when they come into proximity, they they light up. <laughs> uh -huh. So there's no cables, and that's how this uh, physics principle works of mm -hmm. electromagnetic induction. Mm -hmm. So very non-invasive. It's just, and mm -hmm. I couldn't feel it with my hand. There was no, no. vibration. There, no. Yeah, very neat. And, and that's exactly what we do with TMS. We light up places in the brain, dark places in the brain. The the device that we use for treatment is a, a lot larger, is like a, <clears throat> like a big box, but in principle has the same components, energy and electronics, and then a coil, which is nothing but a plastic shell, and inside has loops of wires where current flows. Then we put that uh, coil uh, in contact with the head, not because we need to pass current, but because we want to be as close as possible to generate that current, and we deliver the treatment. The amount of current that is elicited in the brain is strong enough to make cells in the brain, neurons, to light up to generate action potentials. And that's the whole principle of, of the treatment. The specific area that we treat for depression is called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. That's an area of the brain that is here in the forefront of our, of our brain. And by stimulating that area, we are also able to reach other areas of the brain that are involved in the generation of symptoms of depression, like suicidal ideation, loss of appetite, loss of energy, low mood. 
that's how this treatment works. Because often in those type of ailments like depression, the prefrontal cortex is not as active or receiving as many, you know, as much stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of everything is more in in the primal, more fear, or is that what that, that might be other mental health issues? Well, that's how it was decided in the first place to use that. Um, anatomical location, the dorsal lateral mm-hmm. prefrontal cortex as a target. Um, when you do imaging in people who have depression, you so can see that. imaging as in like of fMRI? A, yeah, yeah, like a, exactly. Okay. A magnetic resonance imaging, a, a brain scan. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see that those, that area is less active. So when TMS, uh, came up, it was thought, well, let's use this technique that can increase the excitability of the brain and let's target that area. Mm-hmm. And often with, because with suicide, it's not, um, you know, and not always, I'll correct myself, it's not always, I want to harm myself, it's more that what they're, ha- what they're going through is unbearable and mm-hmm. they just don't see point of going mm-hmm. on yep. in the state that they're in, so... This way, you know, you can almost point to, well, why do they feel that their, you know, their life is currently not exciting enough or worth living? And that makes sense. If there's no activity there, then it is kind of, you know, mm-hmm. not kind of worth those, the efforts of getting up every day. Mm-hmm. So that's the physics of, mm-hmm. of, of this treatment. Uh, now the, the clinical research has shown that uh, the the treatment works to treat depression that is not getting better with uh, medications. Mm-hmm. That's a situation that is very common, unfortunately. Yeah. 30 to 40% of people who have major depressive disorder experience a situation where after trying one or two medications, they're not getting better. They still have a lot of symptoms. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, the clinical trials with TMS have shown that 50 to 55% of people with treatment-resistant depression get significantly better with, uh, wow. with this treatment. Uh, just to put this a bit more in context, uh, the only other treatment that is more effective than RTMS is electroconvulsive therapy, ECT. Eighty mm-hmm. percent uh, of people respond to the treatment with severe depression. Sixty percent of people uh, go into what we call remission. Barely no symptoms left, but ECT is associated with uh, side effects that involve uh, memory loss and and difficulties with uh, cognition, whereas this treatment, RTMS, is not associated with memory loss. So the the side effects associated to this treatment are more benign than those with ECT. I was going to say here, um, the practice of psychotherapy, psychiatry, psychology, a lot of people who may be kind of reluctant to approach new solutions mm-hmm. um, tend to date back to things like, you know, the lobotomy or, you know, what they were doing to the Kennedy's daughter mm-hmm. and all of that. So a lot of people can be a bit fearful of these new interventions. And so it is neat to know that, you know, these are non-invasive. They are not the same at all. Um, 
and just you know how does this look how is how is this and from what we saw here with this experiment the idea that it it's just you know putting kind of an object near your head and you're not feeling an electric shock or anything mm-hmm. like that uh, and i and i should make sure that i that i portray th- uh, the treatment in an accurate way mm-hmm. tms is associated to some side effects like any other intervention mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted it to contrast to ECT in terms of not having um, cognitive side effects. Uh, the most common side effects with TMS are uh, pain or discomfort at the site of stimulation. That's because the stimulation not only stimulates the brain, but it also stimulates the peripheral nerves. That's mm-hmm. actually... Uh, what you feel. You feel like a tapping sensation and you can feel either discomfort or sometimes uh, a little bit of pain during the treatment. So that's one of the most common side effects. Uh, The other two very common side effects are the potential of having mild or moderate headaches right after the treatment and feeling fatigue after the treatment. Um, So those are the most common. They tend to be mild and very well tolerated in general. Uh, To put this in context, around only 5% of people who've gone through uh, trials in the clinic decide to stop treatments, discontinue the treatments. Everyone else goes through them. And the vast majority of people that that decide to interrupt treatments, it's because after a week or two of treatments, there's no, they experience no improvement and they they feel that um, spending another four weeks of treatment, uh, it's not not worth it. Um, there's very few people, but I mean, what I mean by all this, that there's very few people who decide to interrupt the treatment because of uh, severe side effects. Yeah. And in my experience, uh, the the conversation and the discussion around side effects is one that is at the forefront uh, when when people come to the clinic and are assessed. And um, it's important to also put it in in context with some side effects that are associated to some medications, uh, because the the profile for TMS is different. Some of the side effects that, in my experience, uh, people report being most bothersome with uh, antidepressant medications are uh, changes in weight, particularly increased weight, or uh, sexual dysfunction. Neither of these two side effects occur with TMS. Mm-hmm. And there are an, uh, another side effects. And uh, again, the people that we look after that are referred for TMS are most of the time people who've already tried medications. They've not helped. And so there's also a a biased uh, uh, group of people in that the treatments have not helped already. So they've only gotten whatever side effects they've experienced. So kind of putting on the table an alternative treatment that doesn't is not associated to those side effects they experience with treatments that did not work mm-hmm. and uh, kind of discussing a treatment that works in a different way than medications is uh, very very compelling to 
to mm-hmm. most people. That makes sense. And so I was going to ask when you said, um, you know, people who are coming to the clinic to be treated. So who are those people? Do they sign up? Is it um, through the healthcare system currently or how do they come to you? How do they find you? So right now, the the clinic accepts referrals from any uh, family physician or psychiatrist oh, wow. in uh, in the Lower Mainland, and even sometimes we we do receive referrals from outside of of the Lower Mainland from across uh, British Columbia, and so that's all they they need to do. And the first step that we take is always to uh, do a uh, an initial assessment, a consultation. And, and in that process, it's a standard, uh, clinical encounter where we take a careful history and we learn about what treatments have not worked and what are the current symptoms. And resulting from that assessment, there's uh, recommendations. Sometimes the uh, potential of, uh, TMS being one of those comes up. And unfortunately, and now we go f- full circle back to the question of, coverage of the treatment mm-hmm. um, currently the treatment is not covered by uh, by the government in British Columbia so what what we can do uh, here in the lab is we run clinical trials and we are we are able to offer the treatment in in that in that context mm-hmm. oh that's um, nice yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of an, a neat way to because then you're also informing yourselves of you know, how are these side effects affecting people or how are the, you know, how is the treatment going for people in the future? And you mm-hmm. kind of have that data to to work with. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really neat. How do doctors find out about you guys? Is it an interest they've had in RTMS or? Um, it's interesting. I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think part of it is over the years I've, uh, um, I've talked about TMS, uh, wherever I've, I've been invited to. And so I've attended, uh, uh, conferences for, uh, family physicians when they kind of do, uh, continuous medical education. And I've talked about, uh, TMS. Uh, I've also talked at rounds for, uh, colleagues in psychiatry. So uh, anytime that anyone asks me to, talk about these treatments i i go and explain what is our experience what is what is the research saying about their efficacy and and side effects and and i think over over time more and more people have heard about it um and then they they refer uh, patients mm-hmm. that way and do you ever hear back from people who've come to the clinic about you know positive feedback you've change my life in this way or that way do you get that a lot i will show you the uh the thank you wall that we've got oh wow. uh, <laughs> which is covered by by thank you cards um it 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 makes a huge difference and it's um that's the most rewarding part of this is seeing uh, a lot of people getting better uh people that before coming here had tried other treatments they did not work they continued to be unwell and then uh them doing better so that's that's the best part and one interesting aspect is 
Uh, I mentioned earlier that the efficacy rates are around 50 to 55%. So it does mean that there's a proportion of people that still don't get better, right? Um, one of the questions that I pose to, to people after they complete the treatment and that I'm particularly interested for those for whom the treatment has not worked is, look, you've gone through this treatment and you now we know that unfortunately it has not worked. Would you do it again? And, you know, this started as a out of curiosity and as a little experiment. And I was very surprised at the beginning by the responses because they were very constant. People would say more than 95% of the time, yes, definitely, I would do it again. And then they would elaborate and they continue to say, you know, this treatment has not helped me, but I hope you do the best of the data that you're collecting and are able to help other people. So there's that aspect of uh, altruism that it's that it's there. But then what I'm what I what I really want to get at is the other aspect of people say, look, the people that you work with that delivered the treatment, the RTMS technicians, they're fantastic. Uh, it's a highlight for my of my day coming here, and you know it's not a a very long time that I spend in the clinic, but chatting with the technician it's she's super nice and uh, i feel really welcoming here i felt really welcoming here it it made my day it provide also structure it forced me to get out of the house so all those aspects i think they are additional uh, elements and factors that make this treatment um very different from mm -hmm. other treatments. Because often people with depression find that they have trouble socializing or they have trouble, you know, what is the purpose of getting out of bed and, and for them to see that purpose. And and then the social connection, which, I mean, we all know it, it does mm -hmm. stimulate the brain Absolutely. and it does make you feel happy and connected. Absolutely. And yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you'll see the thank you cards. And, I'm excited. And you'll see what, I'll take what, a photo people, of that too. what people say. <laughs> wow, very cool. Uh -huh. So do you, in, in terms of, of teaching as well, um, do you teach about TMS to your students? Is that, absolutely yeah, awesome. absolutely that's uh yet another of the hats that i wear <laughs> i'm the um the program director for the schizophrenia program so i'm uh responsible for to organize the curriculum for uh, physicians in training in psychiatry around schizophrenia and i also teach uh about non-invasive neurostimulation treatments whether it's ect TMS or other treatment modalities. Um, almost at any uh, point during the year, we have uh, at least one psychiatric resident here in the in the clinic doing what we call a rotation, which is spending time here learning uh, and doing hands-on training on this on this treatment. So I, yeah, I I do. Uh, every, everything I can to also uh, kind of train the next generation of psychiatrists in these new treatment uh, modalities. Mm -hmm. And do you find they're quite interested in, you know, learning these new techniques or are they more interested in kind of the talk therapy aspect or 
what do you see kind of with students? In my experience, um, and I think I felt the same way when I was in training, um, psychiatric residents are very curious and they are driven by a strong desire to help people. Mm -hmm. So um, what we need as, as physicians is having as broad as possible of a toolkit that we can help people. For some people, what, what helps them is doing psychotherapy, and that's what we need to do. Sometimes what we need to recommend people are lifestyle changes, like sleep, it's really important, sleep hygiene, uh, physical activity, social interactions. Other times we recommend a medication. Other times it's going to be TMS. So psychiatric residents, uh, as they've uh, been learning about the the um, the trials, the the research showing that it works. They've been increasingly interested because they they see that this is already uh, a tool a tool that can help uh, a great deal of uh, people. So they are increasingly interested in wonderful in learning about it. Yes, yeah, and that's you know clear when especially when you're in school, you do want to learn and you mm -hmm. do want to find the solutions and you want to take that knowledge and go and practice it in the world and. And be part of that. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Um, let's go back to your, and I, my terminology might be wrong, but you, you made a recommendation to the HTAC. Yes. Do you want to so, talk a bit about that? So in British Columbia, similar to other provinces across Canada, um, the Health Technology Assessment Committee is the um, the institution, the, the body that... Um, makes recommendations to the government in terms of um, considering new treatments and specifically new technologies for, for healthcare. And in 2006, uh, the HDAC, the Health Technology Assessment Committee, um, made an assessment of TMS for depression. And unfortunately, at that time, the, the decision was not to recommend uh, coverage for the treatment, but they did um, left the door open to reconsider and revisiting that recommendation in either three years from that uh, date or when more scientific evidence would uh, uh, would come up. And so three years later uh, from that time, um, we actually, in the lab, participating in the largest randomized clinical trial in TMS, showing that a three-minute uh, TMS protocol uh, worked works as well as the four-minute uh, protocol. So we are able to now treat a lot, a lot more, more people, and so that's oh, wow. new, new evidence. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that the uh, HDAC is currently reviewing this uh, nomination for RTMS for depression. Um, but um, we'll, we'll have to, uh, I guess, wait uh, for them to let us know where, where are things at. Yeah. And is this something that citizens or voters could push for as well? I'm sure we can all write to our MLAs, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, think that, I, yeah. I don't think that would hurt. Mm -hmm. So... Very Absolutely. cool. Yeah, to encourage them to keep looking. Yeah, um, I know some. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Some no uh, 
some patients who receive TMS at the clinic are fairly active and they are uh, advocating. So I, I know that they've taken this um, uh, as a little bit of a, a personal project to advocate for, for this treatment. So it, it does make a difference uh, having uh, people engaged and, and people who've had experience themselves with TMS as something that's helped them uh, to to advocate for it. I'll, mm -hmm. yeah. I'll continue to do so from, Wonderful. from my place. And it is true that, you know, when we do have solutions like this and we do have ways to, you know, uh, curtail the effects of depression, you know, on the workforce or, mm -hmm. you know, with families and we all know the importance of, of being present and happy to raise children and, you know, all of the kind of the compounding effects that it has throughout society would be worth the money <laughs> if Absolutely. you look at it. Yeah, mm -hmm. very cool. Um, I know that there are some private clinics in uh, BC, Vancouver has some as well that they offer it, um, but it's quite pricey. So is that, would that be people who have used it or I, I don't know, I guess, how does that work? Um, so I, I don't have any uh, direct involvement or with any of the uh, uh, private clinics uh, that exist in Vancouver now. I, I do know some of the professionals in cool. in a couple of these uh, clinics and they are excellent professionals. So I have no no concerns whatsoever, but I, I have no idea uh, in terms of what are their waiting lists, what is mm -hmm. the cost and mm -hmm. uh, or anything else. Yeah, yeah, I've read a bit about some people who've gone and found it very effective, but the price mm -hmm. saying I'm, I'm able to afford this, but others may not be, mm -hmm. which is which is an interesting component. But it it is neat because it's different from our medical system where you can't have a private MD or GP, but you can have a private um, clinic that offers this. So, yeah, it's, you know, our our healthcare system is a bit complex in that way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and one of the last questions that I'd like to ask you is, what's your personal interest if you're open to talking about your path from undergraduate degree to you're interested in this absolutely um so i don't know how far you want me to go <laughs> back but um I, I fundamentally went into medical school because i wanted to do psychiatry i think part of it has to do with uh, uh my my mom being a, a psychologist herself so oh, there was neat. a lot of talk around mental health and I, I would be interested uh, um, early on in my life and specifically why neurostimulation it was a bit of uh, serendipity actually because um, I've, I've done psychiatry residency twice once in Spain and a second one here in, in Vancouver and uh, the second time uh, when I did the residency here, I really wanted to uh, do a rotation, get some exposure to uh, ECT because in my first residency in Spain, I did not have that opportunity. And I was very curious to learn about this very effective treatment um, that helps, that can help in treatment, uh, resistant depression, uh, psychosis. So anyways, I, I did that and I was really um fascinated by how well it works 
and at the time by how little research there was at, at the time. So I went into um, exploring other non-invasive neurostimulation treatment. And I learned about this TMS thing back mm-hmm. then in 2011. So I decided to um, go to to Boston where uh, one of the main TMS labs is located and and uh, learn a bit more. And then I came back and I uh, put together the the lab and, and the clinic. And here we are, uh, oh, wow. nine years later, uh, doing a lot of clinical trials and, and helping a lot of people. So that was a bit Very what cool. got me here. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for doing this. And it's nice to hear. Do you have anything else you feel like adding or anything um, we didn't cover? No, I think it's a pretty good uh, kind of overview of TMS. Awesome. Thanks so much.